Welcome to this farewell broadcast of Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, intuitive medium, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. Together, we can all make a difference, and it starts with love, love from the hip. First off, I want to thank all of you for your longtime support, but the time has come for me to take pause and dive deeper into my personal projects I've had on hold, which I foresee assisting you in the future. But gosh, I can't believe it's been five years of being on the air with all of you. I remember my first broadcast on 7-Eleven in 2018, sitting here extremely nervous, not knowing anything about radio and broadcasting. Thankfully, I had my super talented producer, Eric, here to guide me through. But with my first time being on the air jitters, those pesky negative thoughts crept in. Like, should I be doing this? Am I worthy of having a radio show? And who would even want to listen? But then I recalled my reason for creating Love from the Hip. It was because I felt like I had an astounding discovery which needed to be revealed, and that if I shared it with you, maybe you too could heal. After my long and hard fight with Pemphigus vulgaris, while luckily surrounded by loving family, I came to recognize that self-love was the key ingredient in my healing, and that needed to be shared. But because we are all stubborn humans who seem to know everything— I realized it was going to take more than just announcing that or even sharing my story. I knew it would require healing stories from other remarkable people across the globe. And so Love from the Hip was born to do just that, along with sharing powerful wisdom and healing modalities you may have never heard of so that ultimately you would be informed of numerous methods, perspectives, and resources available to you. I also wanted you to understand that you are not alone in your struggles and to empower you to step out of the perpetual state of dis-ease and suffering in order to step into healing and living your life. Believe it or not, I also learned a lot as well. Aside from the research I did on each of the interviews, as you may have noticed from my lengthy monologues, I also learned more about who I am. At the start of the show, I did not call myself an intuitive medium as I wasn't aware I was one. But after interviewing Kate Kofelt and Fiona Stewart-Williams and doing sessions with them, they confirmed it. I also didn't understand I was seeing and speaking light language until I interviewed Irene Ingalls or that I was trans-channeling until I chatted with Ricky Whitemore, as well as my power of manifestation until I spoke with Megan Holman and Cynthia Ocelli and my past lives as discussed by Mary Lee LeBay and Stephen Towell. Let's not forget all the divinations that help me to understand myself more, like the wisdom of astrology with David Wood, David Harmon, and Razzie, from my palm through James Devine, through my eyes with Amy Gillespie, my birth date with Jesse Kelsey, with my toes, Jill Swan, and so many more inspiring people I have been blessed to meet on my radio journey. I grew as you grew, and by getting to know myself better, I can love myself even more because authenticity is key in self-love. If you don't know who you are, how can you love yourself, let alone another person? Furthermore, the greater your connection to self, the greater your connection to the world around you. It allows you to understand where you fit in, but more importantly, where you stand out. Your connection to your true self is where self-love resides. Self-love means you hold yourself in positive regard, with a deep appreciation and admiration. It means you are seeking to take care for your needs while not sacrificing your well-being for the satisfaction of others. It is, unfortunately, however, something we are not taught in school, nor something we instantly contract from others, but it is something innately wired in all of us, which sadly, as time goes by, becomes diverted, diminished, and defeated. English philosopher Alan Watts said, Loving oneself is as difficult as kissing your own lips, adding how oddly elusive it gets as we begin to focus more on it, like a dog chasing its tail. He revealed that the more we explore what we love, when we say we love ourselves, the more we realize the things we are loving are outside of us, and therefore not us. He said that your love is what you are, an energy that cannot be destroyed. However, when we turn it, when we won't love, it comes out in its alternate form, that of self-destruction. Watts added that when you won't take the risk of loving yourself properly, you will be compelled instead to destroy yourself. He also emphasized that love is a spectrum, 
You have to take it and let it grow where you find it. But the essential requirement from the beginning is to let it have its way. When we discuss the origin of love, many refer to Plato and his philosophical text Symposium. In it, Aristophanes revealed that love is not only born into every human being, but that it makes one out of two, leaving us searching for our matching half in order to make us whole. When American professor Joseph Campbell was asked about the origin of love, he said we should start with the 12th century troubadours. Troubadours recognize that our soul's counterpart is in the other person. These singer-poets brought about courtly love, which has shaped our romantic love today. Love is not a rare commodity. It is a very primal and basic human instinct. Yet, we so often try to suppress it or limit it. But love is the most powerful feeling in human existence. It transcends death and therefore is limitless. Life is not about suffering. It does not have to be hard, exhausting, and fleeting. So as I say goodbye for now, I offer you one last nudge to bring love into your heart. Only you can do it. I just hope I have offered enough encouragement. As Buddha said, you yourself, as much as anybody in the entire universe, deserve your love and affection. So as I come full circle, what began in love will end in love. Today on Love from the Hip, it is my absolute joy to have steamy contemporary romance writer Christina Braver here with us. Christina will share how her romance writing is helping others, where her hot and steamy ideas come from, discuss her latest book, Your Turn, reveal why romance novels get so much slack, how romance writing has changed, and so much more. Stay tuned. We're going to turn up the love. The passing of our loved ones always proves to be very challenging, but can be met with ease when working with someone who can hold space, compassion, and especially someone who works across the veil. Allow Sakura Sutter, multidimensional channeler and intuitive medium, to be your spiritual guide with the other side. No matter if you choose to communicate with your transitioned loved ones to help you with the grieving process, or connect with spiritual, galactic, and other light beings to explore and dive in more on your spiritual path, Sakura can assist you. Not only does Sakura channel insightful messages, but she also incorporates her metaphysical tools to help you move through blocks and unprocessed emotions and feelings, providing you with a closure, relief, and new mindset to move forward. So don't hesitate to take your first step towards healing so you can start living your life once again. Remote sessions available. Contact Sakura at sakurasutter.com. That's S-A-K-U-R-A-S-U-T-T-E-R. Has your life been interrupted? Has the carpet been pulled out from under you? Have you had to pivot, start something new, start over from scratch, or create something completely new? You're not alone. Come hear stories of others just like you. It's a brand new podcast called Interrupted. Act two, reinventing your legacy with Coach Lori on Apple Podcast or Spotify. Welcome back to the farewell broadcast of Love from the Hip. I'm intuitive medium, spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Love from the Hip, that's H-Y-P, or at sakurasutter.com. Today, I have the pleasure of welcoming steamy contemporary romance writer, Christina Braver, on my show. Hi, Christina. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, Sakura. Thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. And it's so great you're local to have you in the studio. Yep. This is exciting. This is a treat. <laughs> All my followers on social media look for pictures of yes. me in the radio. St- Here's me with a cup in the radio studio. <laughs> Here's me with my hair in the radio studio. <laughs> awesome. So now as a romance writer, how would you define love? Wholeness. Wholeness. That's the word that that comes to mind as I write and I think resonates with a lot of romance writers and readers. Uh, Making the other person better, that authentic connection. Oftentimes, you know, romance novel starts when the person is sort of not doing well. Their world is kind of falling apart and the romance, that special person that brings out that joy in them and that wholeness and that connection. So, Yeah. yeah, okay, that's love, I think. That's awesome. Now, how do you think the definition of love has changed in romance novels altogether? Okay, so it hasn't, I don't know that the definition has changed. Um, 
one thing I do have to mention about romance novels, it's it has to have a happily ever after right. in the end. It has to have that HEA or a happy happily for now, uh, an HFN. HFN, I like yeah. that. <laughs> so, and if it doesn't have that, it's not a romance novel. It's a genre requirement, which is why I love them. Who yeah. doesn't want a happy ending? Um, so as far as in romance writing, that is still the case. It still needs an, uh, a happily ever after. Um, you still need to have that idea of love conquers all. And mm-hmm. you still need to have that idea of wholeness. I think what has changed in more recent days, more recent years specifically, is what that wholeness looks like. It's much more diverse. It's much more inclusive. You know, my happily ever after and your happily ever after could be completely different. (laughs) Exactly. As opposed to, you know, the the guy on the horse and the damsel in distress. Well, I was just going to say, is it less of the saving the damsel damsel in Mm -hmm. distress? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's Mm -hmm. it's a little bit more um, authentic to even even historic novels, I think, are authentic to our time and our readers in that, um, you know, the women have more agency uh, there's more connection. But yeah, there's just inclusion of all different genders, all different orientations. Yeah. Uh, that's out there. There's a romance out there for you. That's awesome. So when did you start writing romance? I started in 2020. Um, like so many people, I was laid off in with COVID. And it was actually uh, a blessing. I never really aspired to be a writer Um, I do have a master's in clinical psychology, and I worked as a therapist and a social worker for a few years before I started my career in healthcare technology. And um, Is that what you were doing at the time when you got laid off? Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. And so I I love to consider our wounds, our accomplishments, how those things impact us. Uh, That naturally lends itself to writing fiction. Mm -hmm. And I love to read romance. I've been reading romance for decades um, probably sooner than my mom knew I was. Um, but, you know, my husband one day kind of said, you know, you're smart. You're a good writer. You read a million of these things. Why don't you write one? <laughs> you know, you're you're going to be home, you know, and I tend to cause problems when I'm, I don't have something to do. You need a do. distraction. I do. <laughs> I do. So I started writing one and I never stopped. I wow. just love it. I love it so much. And I know we're going to get into your book, but how many books have you written thus far? Since? I have, I've, published uh, five books. I have five books published, and then I have one ready to be published, and then I'm just starting the next one. Amazing. And it's only 2023. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, how has your life transformed, would you say, since writing romance? Well, I'm certainly happier and more energized. Um, It, you know, I go back to that adage of if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Mm -hmm. And, And that's fine. It's not really that because I work really hard, uh, but because I love it, the effort is easier. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's, uh, yeah, I'm a little bit happier. That's great. And how has it helped your relationship with your teen daughter and perhaps your husband as well? Right. Yeah. So my relationships, uh, you know, it's, it's a bit mixed. I have, I have two kids. I have a son who's 20 and my daughter is 15, uh, which being a steamy romance novelist, it, it, you know, <laughs> it's interesting. I have some conversations there. Do you let her read your books? I would. Uh, I would let her. She yeah. would never. <laughs> um, it's I understand. Yeah. I would let her if she really wanted to. She's yeah. reading L. Kennedy and um, Colleen Hoover and right. authors that are at the same level of steam, if not, mm-hmm. you know, more than me. I don't know about more than me, but definitely at the same level. Um, so she can handle it. But I don't. Yeah. Bridge too far. Um, <laughs> but I, I do try to have a very sex positive home in that, yeah. you know, I I, we talk about sex, that it is not a bad thing. It's not a yeah. dirty thing. And I do these drive-bys, you know, with my kids. Nobody wants to sit down and talk with their mom about sex. Um, so I do these what I call drive-bys with my kids. And, you know, they'll be standing around and I'll just say, uh, you know, sex is not like sticking your finger in someone's ear. It's it's special <laughs> and important and you should make it special. And there's and then consequences. I go, right. You know, and then I go. Or, yeah, and then... <laughs> Yeah, there's the consequences and, uh-huh. um, you know, a lot. It's, sex is supposed to be fun. If you're not having fun, you need to stop and say something, you know, right. and then I keep going. You know? <laughs> so just it's mostly an effort to get the message out there that to counter maybe some of the message, some of the messages that my son and my daughter are hearing about sex and their their roles as adults and having a healthy sex life, right. what that might look like. I want to have a little bit of I want to give them a little bit of information Influence. in addition. Yeah. Absolutely. And you're the mom. I'm the mom. Now, what about with your husband? My has husband. It, has, it, has it spiced things up? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, my husband, 
uh, what did I, you know, I didn't get his approval on what I was going to say. Um, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't say that it spiced things up because it was pretty spicy before. Um, but he's, uh, you know, he's a little funny. He's a introvert, serious tech guy. Um, but he's so supportive. Like mm. he's happy to see me doing something that I love. And he's happy that I'm not helicoptering him or our children. Right. Um, but, I, you know, I think he's he's also um, he's German. So he's a little stoic. So he's like, <laughs> I'm happy for you. I'm really happy for you. This is my happy face. So. <laughs> That's great. Well, let's talk about romance writing. How has it changed in the last 10 to 15 years? I, I know you talked about the less less of the dam, damsel, damsel in distress. distress yeah. It's changed actually quite a bit. Um, and. A couple of there's a couple of big factors that go into that change. In 2011, e-readers hit the hit the world, and you know up until that point, romance readers you know were reading the paperback books that sort of might maybe had Fabio on the cover or some facsimile <laughs> With shirt barely hanging on, right? You know, some facsimile thereof, and it was kind of this thing that you felt like you needed to do in the privacy of your home. You couldn't read a it was very conspicuous to read a romance novel on the bus right. or something like that. Mm-hmm. And some people just weren't comfortable with that. E-readers came along, and now you can read all kinds of things, and no one knows what you're reading. Right. You're sitting next to some person on the plane, <laughs> and you're, you know, you're reading whatever. Romance blew up. That wow. So many people came out of the woodwork, if you will, who wanted to read romance. It, it really uh, impacted it. It's not something you think about, but it makes so much yeah, sense. Yeah, you know, yeah. You, now this thing that I've wanted, always wanted to do and couldn't work up the nerve to do, now I get to do it and no one will know. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and we can talk about why. You yeah, should yeah. let everybody know that you read romance. There's nothing wrong with it. But baby steps. Um, the other thing was in 2019, there was um, a reckoning in the romance industry uh, with the professional organizations and the publishers and the writers really across the board uh, around racism and sexism and marginalization. Mm -hmm. And because that happened, there was lots of things that came out of that. But one was that it opened up the opportunity for a lot of um, very diverse stories that weren't getting heard, weren't getting traditionally published. Um, Before that self-publishing, there were some people who would say the only people self-published are those who can't get traditionally published. And that's Definitely not the case anymore because you have people who've said, oh, I don't want to be part of whatever's going on in the traditional publishing machine. I'm, yeah. I'm leaving that and I'm, com- I'm going to do self-publishing. So you have a much more robust um, array of writers and talent and, you know, some some not as good as others. You right. know, you know a, lot of, a lot of excellent <laughs> stuff out there and some that's less excellent. But yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's changed a lot. It's changed a lot. Well, as you said earlier, right, I mean, love sees no boundaries. So mm-hmm. it just was a matter of time for that to open up. Right. That's right. amazing. That's so, great. So let's talk about the readers. Okay. What, and first off, what percentage of re- people read romance? Just curious. Well, I don't, I don't know the percentage of people, but I do know it's a lot. <laughs> um, and I know that because, um, so romance is the highest earning genre of fiction. Wow. It generates on average $1.44 billion annually. Um, just for comparison, science fiction and fantasy together, which includes Harry Potter, generates about $590 million annually. So just about oh. 40% of what the romance genre generates on its own. Amazing. So, you know, lots. Um, about 82% are women. And that's important. Let's look at the foil of that. That means 18%, tw- nearly 20% are something else. Right. And they deserve to have a story mm-hmm. written that they can see themselves in. Um, 45% of romance readers have a college degree. And, and all these statistics come from wordsrated.com, uh, which is a um, non-commercial organization that follows the publishing industry. Um, they're getting getting younger. It used to be that um, I think romance readers used to be the average was between 35 and 40, and now it's 18. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry, 35 and 54, and now it's 18 and 54. Oh, wow. So uh, they're skewing a little bit younger. Um, and then 46% of romance readers usually finish a novel within seven days. So <laughs> short lifespan, uh-huh. rom- romance writers got to hustle. <laughs> yeah, that's why you have to write more books. Right? That makes sense. Yep. Got to be hustling. Uh-huh. Um, and so the the Long story or short story is romance is widely read, wildly popular, and huge business. Amazing. Now, why is the age range, why has that gotten younger, do you think? Um, I think, one, because of more diverse stories. 
to, I think, the e-reader, the accessibility of those books. Um, there are people who grow up in less sex-positive situations. Yeah, we're going to talk about that later. Right, sure. exactly. Whose families wouldn't let them or yeah. would definitely frown upon. But but when you're, we're naturally inclined to have those questions about sex and sexuality. And a lot of times we're hungry and eager to find that information. And so I think I think it's a lot of it has to do with e-books and the accessibility of the information. Okay. Um, I yeah. think. So why do romance novels get so much slack then if they're doing so well? I don't know. Um, it, honestly, they're awesome. I love them. I have no idea why. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can guess. Um, you know, I talk to people and I think the thing that I normally hear is that they're unrealistic. Mm. And, you know, what comes to mind, I always, you know, what always comes to mind there is I think about how many of us accept that TIE fighters and the Millennium Falcon <laughs> will fly, um, yeah. defying the laws of uh-huh. physics. We can do that, but you have a book about sexual empowerment and healthy sex uh-huh. written predominantly by women, read predominantly predominantly um, by women, um, and about women wanting and liking sex. You know, that's a bridge too far. We can't we can't accept yeah. that, you know. But sex sells. And in going back to Star Wars, right, what is the big scene that we all remember? Everybody remembers <laughs> the gold bikini. Uh-huh. Every boy remembers uh-huh. the every, well, yeah, every woman. Yeah, yeah mean, every woman. That's like... true. That's right. Everyone who is attracted to people with vaginas uh, <laughs> remembers uh, remembers the gold bikini scene. So, yeah. yeah. So what do your friends say? Was it hard for you to come out? As a romance writer, um, not no, actually, not really. It, I'm, I'm older. I'm established. I've, and we'll talk. We'll also talk a little bit about some of the wounds that I've had that I've healed from, and yeah, and I'm tougher. I'm, I'm okay with. Yeah, I said I'm doing this. You can read it or you cannot read it, and it, it's sort of funny. Some people have said, well, um, I've had strangers. Not any of my friends have said this, but I have a people reach out to me and say, you know, you sound really smart. Like it's <laughs> like it has to be separate. surprising. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, there are a lot of people who are smart that are writing romance, definitely reading romance. Yeah. So. Now, isn't that part of your tagline too? Yes. My tagline is hearts, smarts and other sexy parts. So <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so let's talk. Let's start talking about your latest book in your series. So book number four, correct? Yes. Your turn. Yes. So what is it about? It is the story of Nicole, who is a sexual shame culture survivor. Uh, She's recovering and ready to embrace sex and love. Uh, Reese has his own wounds around sex and love. And um, I generally tell people mayhem ensues as they try to find their way to an HEA. Um, It's a friends to lovers, survivor, protector hero, steamy romance about not just surviving, but thriving and the journey to accept ourselves and allow uh, the unstoppable power of love to heal us. Awesome. I have not finished it yet, but I'm on my way. <laughs> okay, good. Seven days isn't over yet. So, you know. <laughs> That's right. You still have time. <laughs> so how does the theme of sexual shame resonate with you personally? <clears throat> well, as I grew up in the 80s, I was a teenager in the 80s. In uh, I grew up in the southeastern United States in the buckle of the Bible belt, if you will. Um, and sex was just not something discussed mm. in the homes. It, you know, it just wasn't something that was discussed in that culture. Um, it wasn't that my parents were bad. It just, right. you know, wasn't done. Um, and it was sort of that personification of the misbelief that um, educating teens about sex will encourage them to have sex. Make more sex. Right. Yeah. You know, when in reality, <laughs> there's plenty of studies that tell us that the only thing we guarantee by not talking about sex is that people will have unsafe and unsatisfying sex. And unplanned pregnancy. And unplanned pregnancy. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Um so, you know, I received I received these messages and that said I had to be a virgin when I married, that mm. I should watch how I dress so I didn't entice a man to want sex. And I had to say no, whether or not I wanted to, you know, all of those messages I received. And it took a long time with reading and questioning and prayer. I'm a Christian mm-hmm. um, to realize that those things that culture taught me didn't fit. Mm. Uh, and so I got out of that web. But not everyone does now. And didn't your father you, he told you you were going to get an education. Was that oh, different yeah. than what other people were doing? Um, you know, my time? father, my father passed away in 2018, and and while he was not perfect, he he did get some really important things right. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that he did was he, you know, he said things like, um, "You can't get married until you're older. You need to you need to go to college and get an education so you can support support yourself." Then you need to actually spend a year living on your own, supporting yourself, because you'll make a better decision 
about who to marry if you know that you don't have to be married to survive. Mm. And, you know, that really resonated with me. Um, so, yeah, I, going out and getting an education um, was definitely very important to my father. Yeah, and that's a big lesson, too, in having attachment in a relationship or being codependent. He was teaching you not to do that, right. which is amazing. Right, right. You're yeah. right. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Love we'll, you, Daddy. <laughs> Wherever you we're, are. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk more about sexual shame and sex positivity. But everyone, stay tuned for the Weekly Skinny Up next and more Love from the Hip. On this final Weekly Skinny, I want to discuss the mind-body-skin connection. I know you have heard me talk about this in several interviews, but I felt it worthy of chatting about one last time. Having been in the skincare industry for over 20 years, I have watched chronic skin conditions and rare skin diseases rise, not to mention having overcome one myself. While part of it is related to our food and how it is processed, farmed, raised, and treated, as well as not having a healthy diet altogether, another part is related to the increase in pollution and toxins that we are exposed to on a daily basis. But an even larger part, the part we actually have control over, is our stress levels, our negative self-talk, our self-suppression, and the toxic environments we choose to stay in. While some argue the level of stress around us humans today is not that much more than years before, we unfortunately have more access to it. Not to mention, our media has finally figured out that it is fear and tragedy which sells, and so they feed more of it to you. And you take it, while you have listened to what society told you what you should be and do. As a result, we absorb more fear, sadness, anger, anxiety, and hopelessness. Our skin is the first barrier against anything in our physical environment. It knows how to do its job of keeping you safe from harmful bacteria and dis-ease. But if all of the negative emotions are impacting you to a point where you begin to adopt those feelings as your own and then magnify them in your mind, then your skin is no longer able to perform the beautiful functions it was meant to. It weakens as your mind weakens. It allows for inflammation to flare up, cortisol levels to rise, and therefore hormones to become imbalanced, and for viruses and disease to settle into your body until it presents visible hints of such on your skin. Several studies have been done in the last 10 to 15 years to prove the effect the mind has on the skin. Mindfulness interventions in many of the studies help to not only decrease one's overall stress, but also improve their skin dramatically. Even those who live with an already visible skin condition experience less distress and were more able to manage their condition. Studies have even shown a reduced skin permeability because again, the healthier our minds, the stronger our skin barrier becomes. So as I tell my clients who are suffering from acne, rosacea, eczema, and other chronic skin diseases, products and skin treatments can only do so much. Chronic skin diseases are a reflection of what is happening internally in your body, but more so in your head. Aside from being more mindful of what you are consuming, how are you showing up for your skin? What are you saying to yourself and your skin? How can you change your environment around you to be more manageable and healthy? How can you set boundaries for those unhealthy relationships? And lastly, are you surviving or thriving? Welcome back to this farewell broadcast of Love from the Hip. I'm intuitive medium, spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. If you are just tuning in, I'm chatting with steamy contemporary romance writer, Christina Braver, on her latest book, Your Turn. So, Christina, before the break, you were sharing about the environment that you grew up in. Did it ever feel like a part of you was missing? Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I, was, I was a normal teenage girl. Um, I'm, I'm cisgender, female, heterosexual, and I had all of the things that come with that in my teen years. Um, so, you know, I absolutely felt shame about those natural sexual feelings. And mm. like I said, I am a Christian, and it could be argued that through my teen years, I read the Bible so much because I was looking for a loophole right. in the rhetoric that I was hearing from the leaders, the spiritual leaders around me, the Christian leaders around me at the time. So, um, yeah, I felt shame and was looking for a way to sort of make peace with this part of me that other people was telling was telling me made me dirty or bad. Yeah. And so I'm curious because a lot of kids tend to act out or hurt themselves. Mm -hmm. Were you doing either of those? No, actually not. Um, yeah, and yeah, I was um, really d 
did a lot of questioning and at, I'm, I'm an extrovert. So I was more laying myself open to people that I had respect for and it you know respected their opinions and reading and questioning and not being afraid to stand up and say, this doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in some ways that was not received well. Right. So, uh, you know, <laughs> the some, backlash. How dare you resist me? Right. You yeah. know, sometimes that was not seen, you know, as being awesome. Right. Um, I'm the black sheep in my family. Um, I can relate. Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, my family's great, but yeah. I'm I am definitely the one that that went off and did something different. And mm-hmm. so um, so, no, I was I was comfortable in it. I was at least comfortable enough in it. Right. That I didn't have to do some. I didn't feel compelled to do some of those other coping things that comfortably others... unhappy. So, right. so in the beginning of the show, when I asked you about love and what it meant to you, and you said wholeness, did you ever really feel whole going through that? I think. I mean, no. I mean, there was definitely a point where I finally accepted. You know, where I and this, this was in college, um, later on in college, and. You know, I had always been the person that in high school, I pointed fingers at the girls who were embracing their sexuality for good or bad reasons. Um, But and even in college, the early years, you know, I was the person that pointed those fingers. You know, I shamed them because Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be shamed. And or you were kind of envious that they could do it and you couldn't. That exactly. You know, that, too. They were out doing this thing that I couldn't figure out a way to um, to do. Right. in my that was consistent with my values or in the way that I wanted to do it. Um, And, you know, if they're if they're wrong and I'm the opposite of them, then I must be right was Mm. sort of that logic. And so I wanted to make them wrong. Um, But really what that ended up doing is whenever later on in my I think it was probably my senior year in college, I just realized that I just need to embrace that side of me that all of that trying to be what other people said I was supposed to be in order to be good or pure or a nice person or a good little girl or pretty or sweet or whatever, or, you know, all yeah. the things that sit still look pretty, all the things that we're supposed to do. Um, I just kind of woke up one day and said, you know, I don't um, think I can do that. Wow. <laughs> amen. Amen. That's right. Can I get an amen? <laughs> so it really took away your self-love. I, or it, if it was ever there, yeah, you know, and it didn't so allow you to cultivate it. It, it in didn't any allow way. me to cultivate it. Certainly not as a young person, not as a teenager. When I'm going through the ravages of puberty and we're having all these thoughts and feelings and we're not sure where they're coming from, and um, you know, it was I had to go go a few years. But then there are people who never get that opportunity to you know to confront that side of or, or you know to embrace that side of them um yeah. and embrace that self love and say this is who i am and you know what i kind of like who i am yeah take it or leave it yeah i know you might not <laughs> like who i am and that's okay you right. can be over there and i'll be over here like we don't have mm-hmm. to be together if we don't like each other <laughs> that's the beauty of this situation so exactly so then how has your writing especially your latest book helped you to fully heal that part of you well and i think you know i think i this book actually, I think, comes out of the, I want to maybe demonstrate that I have healed. Yeah. Um, it comes out of a place of healing. Um, so I think I think romance in general and my writing exposes new ideas about sex and sexuality. And that is a healing, you know, that's healing for me. It, it's kind of that, you know, I, I, I grew up, I grew out of this thing that's harmful and I want to try to share, you know, mm-hmm. um, we don't talk about sex. We don't talk about women enjoying sex. We, you know, we giggle, <laughs> um, you know, let's don't do that. Let's right. just talk about it. It It's a normal, natural, wonderful thing. Let's try to, let's put some effort into making that mm-hmm. reality. Um, yeah, yeah, that's great. And you have brought to my attention, I, I didn't even think of this as romance novels being a reference point or a point of information for people who are stuck in a purity culture. Absolutely. It can be. It, you know, it can be, as I mentioned, you know, people who have e-readers, they're reading yeah. things that no one else knows what they're reading. And that is a can be a magical portal for some people to try to find information. Um, you know, I admit my first uh, probably exposure to a male-male relationship was 
through a romance novel. Mm. Um, was that the first romance novel you read? No, 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 no. Yeah. I don't even remember. Because you've been reading for a long I've time. I've been reading forever, so I don't even remember. <laughs> Never mind. I'm sure it was something by Daniel Steele. Uh, of course. <laughs> right. um, On the white mare. Right, yeah, with flowing hair, whatever. So, um, yeah, so... Yeah. So that was your first one. Mm -hmm. So what advice do you have having grown up in that environment? What do you have to say for others who are suffering, men and women? Right. Dealing with shame. Right. Well, and so let me I'll back up and and explain for your listeners who maybe don't know what purity culture is. Yes, I would love that. Please. um, Or what what shame, what I call sexual, what we I'm not the only one. I didn't make this up. um, (laughs) What sexual shame culture is. So um, the purity it's also known as the purity culture movement, specifically rose out of the 80s. So our attitudes towards sex and sexuality have pendulum swung for centuries, you know, from conservative to progressive and back. And, uh, you know, one hun- this century we're here and this other century. Just like our politics. Just like we see <laughs> today. Else. So it's not that different. Um, but so purity culture was a movement that rose out of the 80s AIDS crisis. Okay. And all of the fear that that created around sex and sexuality. So it really took hold in the 90s and 2000s um, with several best-selling books that promoted this idea of no sex before marriage, oh. um, purity rings, um, purity balls, purity pledges um, to prevent. It was all intended to sort of prevent this thing that everybody seems so afraid of, and that was sex. Uh, one of the basic teaching teachings was you know, no sex before marriage, sometimes even dating or kissing was not appropriate to do before marriage. Um, and and it they promoted the idea that marriage was only valid between one woman and one man. And the movement claims that it's it's biblically based. And these ideas are often touted in the evangelical church here in the United States and abroad. Uh, but the same ideas can be found in other religions, too. Um some of the literature even claims that boys, males are God-ordained to want sex and girls are God-ordained not to. Mm-hmm. So it's the girl's responsibility to maintain the purity of herself and the males around her uh, by how she dresses and by saying no. All that responsibility and accountability Jeez. falls on the girl. I, yeah. Super convenient. And the, and the man is supposed to want it all the time. Right. The man, so men are sort of reduced to these sex addicts. Yeah. This, all that's really expected of you is to have a lot of sex procreate and get a job, get a good job so that you can support your wife, the, at home. your wife at home and, yeah. and your kids. And so I think that's a pretty limiting definition for our men. Absolutely. Um, not to mention all that responsibility and accountability being heaped on women is, I, I think, detrimental. And, and we're, what we're finding, you know, what's coming out in studies and what we're finding is, yes, it, it is. It was a it was detrimental. So, yeah. um, you know, girls grew up with the ideas that if they had sex, that they would be ruined forever. Mm-hmm. You know, like a chewed piece of gum cannot be unchewed is one of the things that that people would say to right. girls to say, look, you don't want to give your virginity away because once it's gone. Forget it. And, you know, and this is not a new concept. I mean, think right. about think about I certainly I'm showing my age here a little bit, but. You know, I grew up with the concept of if you get the milk for free, why buy the cow? cow. <laughs> and yes. that seems all benign and funny, haha. But then when you think about it, what is the message that we're telling our boys and girls about the value of women in marriage? Mm-hmm. Why, if you can't have sex with me, if you can't be the first person to have sex with me, there's no other reason to marry me. Right. The only thing that makes me valuable is having sex with me. Boys hear that message, so they might, you know... Heterosexual boys are thinking about their female partners mm-hmm. as, you know, we wonder why, why boys see women as men, we see women as sex objects sometimes. You know, these messages are coming from us. We're right. telling them this yeah. um, in a lot of ways. And girls, too, you know, for, for me to, how do I say to my daughter? Right. You know, how do I, how do I see that in myself, that the only thing valuable, valuable about me is to have sex with me and I'm supposed to... Feel good and about it, myself. And, and it's so heavy. It's like you're already setting yourself up to fail. So why even try? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, yeah. So, yeah. So what would be the advice then you would say? So, um, first of all, I think my advice is that any type of shame is harmful. And for more on this, I refer you to the research and writing of Dr. Brene Brown um, at the University of Houston. Mm-hmm. Uh, any type of shame is harmful. So if you if you feel shame, register that. The, oh, this is something I need to take a look at. If I'm ashamed of this, this is something I need to think about a little bit more. Um, 
question, read. There are so many books out there available through most libraries Mm -hmm. um, about surviving sexual shame, um, as well as how to have a healthy sex life and a fulfilling sex life. And just read and question and think about what you value or what you want and, and then ask some more questions about that. There's information. And then seek help yeah. um, from a trained counselor, other survivors, pastors or leaders in your faith who don't ascribe to the teaching of sexual shame culture. Um, I didn't grow up in such a harmful situation as those situations that I read about when I was doing research for your turn. Hmm. I didn't grow. I was not exposed to it to that degree. That level, yeah. Right? No, so let me be clear. I I don't really consider myself a sexual shame culture survivor right. um, because it really wasn't to the same degree. But I can, I recognize it. Well, you still had people I still, that you looked up to. Right. I mean, you that information that you just gave us, right? right? I still had that so, pressure. I still had that, yeah. you know, I still had all those cultural messages to, you know, sit yeah. still and look pretty. This is what a girl, this is what a girl does. This is what a girl's for. Yeah. Um, from the culture. I don't think you can give it levels or dismiss what you <laughs> went through in any way. Well, that's probably true. <laughs> so what do you hope then your books will bring to others, having said all that? Um, I think, you know, I first of all, I want to bring an escape. You know, yeah. um, I started reading romance and I continue to read romance, even ones that I don't like very much or don't <laughs> think are very well written. I still read them to the end. I've very written of gray. Well, it, we'll talk about that. later. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. It's not, <laughs> it's not awesomely written, but it resonates for a reason. Uh-huh. Um, so because it's an escape, right? Everything in, you know, every I know this is going to have a happy ending. I don't know that in my life, you know, angst and whether this will work out or not. That's my everyday life. Yeah. I don't want that when I sit down at night to relax and unwind and read something. So I want I want it to provide an escape. And then I also want to provide, uh, expose people to maybe other information, uh, normalize different kinds of sex and sexual positions and thoughts and ideas about sex, um, sort of show those in a natural environment and, you know, not outdoors, but necessarily, yeah. but, you know, in a in an open place. I, I once Organic. had a, Exactly. Organic. Mm-hmm. I once had a, a writer tell me, write the world you want to live in. And so that's what I, I try to do. I love that. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. All right. Thanks for sharing that. And with that, we're going to go out to a break, but don't go anywhere. Love from the hip. We'll be right back. Taking care of your body's largest organ can be difficult, but not for a Astera skincare mist. This topical skin spray supports your skin's own natural healing defenses. Astera Skincare Mist is a light misting spray free of parabens, alcohol, toxins, and fragrance. This all-natural topical skin spray will take the woe out of your skincare worries without clogging your pores. Irritation, inflammation, redness, post-procedure sensitivities, no problem. With Astera Skincare Mist, you can continue about your day without the skin dismay. Acne, rosacea, psoriasis, sunburns, rashes, and fungus? Don't let these skin concerns inconvenience you. Instead, let Astera Skincare Mist allow you to be happy in the skin you're in. Available at Sakura Skin and Mind. Learn more at AsteraCare.com. That's E-S-T-H-E-R-A Care.com. Mystic Journeys invites you to an innovative nine-day spiritual retreat in the heart of Tulum, Mexico. Join them this fall from November 9th to November 17th, 2023 for a unique blend of guided tours and spiritual workshops. From the beachside villa, they'll explore the ancient ruins and stunning beauty of the Mayan Riviera. In their workshops, expert facilitators will help you develop your spiritual gifts, increase your vitality, and invite synchronicity into your life. Learn how to embody Qigong, astrology, seven sacred flame meditation, sound healing, and ancestral indigenous teachings from a local spiritual elder. Space is limited to 12 participants. To see the full itinerary and apply, visit harmonhealing.com. That's H-A-R-M-O-N healing.com. Welcome back to this farewell broadcast of Love from the Hip. I'm intuitive medium, spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. Don't forget to stay connected with me at sakurasutter.com. If you are just joining us, the lovely Christina Braver is here with us discussing romance. And now she's going to take it away and maybe read a little bit of hot and steamy from her latest novel, Your Turn. Take it away. That's right. Okay. Um, This is Reese and Nicole. 
and they are getting ready to sing a song together. Um, this is something that they've they've been doing is they've they're dancing around each other, and so they're getting ready to sing a song together. His guitar rested on his knee with his capable fingers poised above the strings, and I envied it. The music notes tattooed along his right arm drew my eye to his generous muscles and the fabric of his shirt stretched across broad shoulders. If I placed my head there, I'd feel warm and secure. He was my picture of a man, strong enough to shelter and gentle enough to caress. I closed my eyes briefly to hear the soft opening notes from that place inside me. Low and breathy, I sang, channeling the song's dream of being held, supported, and loved. Reese's fingers danced on the strings as he played the low accompaniment and the high notes he'd been practicing earlier. I closed my eyes at the intensity of the lyrics. They were sensual and pleading. She wanted love. Love was light in all the darkness. The last note echoed along the hard surfaces and exposed brick of the hollow room. I lifted my face heavenward and felt the sound fade. When I opened my eyes, Reese was close, canted over his guitar. I gravitated to him pulled in a way I couldn't resist anymore. He didn't blink as the space between us closed, and I took in his deep brown eyes, freshly shaved jawline, and full lips. I didn't breathe. Then, hallelujah, he pressed his mouth to mine, firm and intense. White hot sensations rocketed through me. My hands came to his face, and I slanted my lips across his in a hungry press. He inhaled deeply and moved a hand to my hip, fingers massaging the strip of exposed skin at my waist. His tongue licked my bottom lip, and I opened to him. I wanted to settle myself onto his lap, but the guitar still rested between us. Eric, did it just get a little hotter in here? Yeah, you're sweating, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> my brow. My brow. So this hot and steamy, thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. Yeah. Where, does, where do these ideas come from? Um, Your own personal life? Right. I, mean, no. I know you didn't. Yeah. Talk to your husband about this, but, you know. <laughs> what I was going to reveal, babe. Uh, no, these are not autobiographical. Uh, they are fiction. They are fiction. Um, I do get uh, a lot of inspiration and maybe the technical blocking uh, ideas for, for the sex that happens through uh, reading a lot of nonfiction books by sex therapists mm. and, you know, promoting some techniques and information that maybe other people hadn't hadn't heard before. Oh, right. you can do that when you do that and that makes it better? Okay, you know, and I'll have my hero do that or my heroine uh -huh. do that, you know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Or stories from friends maybe too? Yeah, you know, be careful what you tell me. <laughs> I, many people who know me personally yeah. will, will also tell you, yeah, be careful what you tell me. That's funny. <laughs> so, Along with that, would you say, has, has your family, I'm, I'm curious, you know, right. growing up in the environment that you did, has, has your family read your hot and steamy? <laughs> well, you know, like I said, my father passed away so um, he, before I started writing, but I, he may not have read a book, but I think he would be really proud of me for, for putting myself out there Love and it. doing what I wanted to do. Um, my mom has read all of my books. Uh, but she does say that she sometimes skips a few parts. <laughs> totally fine. Do You do you, uh -huh. Mom. Um, my sister was actually the first person. She gave me my first writing class online course. Oh, so, awesome. Uh, you know, I have cousins that are have read all my books and are supportive. But then I also have members of my family that don't, I doubt, even know I do this. Okay. Uh, this idea and this empowerment just doesn't resonate in their world and their values. And, and that's okay. That's okay. Right? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, can you share with us briefly about your new book that's coming out soon? Um, sure. So I have a couple of, I have a, a book that's coming out. It's a holiday novella. Uh, that'll be free to everyone, uh, all of my newsletter subscribers. So um, subscribe to my newsletter and you'll get that in October. That'll Where can be available. They sign up for that? Uh, you can sign up for my newsletter on my <laughs> website at uh, ChristinaBraver.com. Awesome. Uh, so that's my holiday novel. And uh, Sex Positivity really theme there is sort of the she's empowered she's a smart girl he's a smart man they're uh, theoretically having a, a quickie weekend in Vegas but uh, then again mayhem ensues and they have to find <laughs> their way to an HEA uh, but the sex positivity there is just her sort of um, she's an adult and she's yeah. doing she makes the choices that she makes and she's not unapologetic about them so right. and then the next book that I'm writing uh, the, the book I'm working on now uh, is the fifth book in the series, and that is the character Angela, and she is nothing if not sexually empowered. So she's a little bit of a foil to Nicole, mm -hmm. and so we'll follow her journey 
uh, as she deals with some of the things that come along with being sexually empowered as a woman, uh, what that feedback she gets from the culture and the world is, and, uh, and, and how, what she has to do to find her ATA. Awesome. Yeah. And now all your books are set in the Pacific Northwest. They are, yes. Why did you choose the Pacific Northwest? I love it here. <laughs> uh, these are my people. Uh, I'm trying to follow the write what you know to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Um, the books are, are set in a town called Perry Harbor, which is made up. Made it's up. not real. Don't look for it on a map. Uh, but it's uh, loosely based or sometimes less loosely based on Anacortes. Okay. And with a little bit of Mount Vernon thrown in, uh, but mostly Anacortes. And in your that sister area. would say otherwise. Right? right. My sister, who's a chemical engineer, uh, once told me the first book is about a, a tulip farmer. And my sister said, but there aren't any tulip farms in Anacortes. And I said, it's fiction. <laughs> in, in think, this, think Star Wars. That's okay. right. Think Star Wars. Yeah. You know, but. So I have to ask you, if your book became a movie, who would you want casted as your protagonist? Um, so I'm going to show my age also here because these, my characters are younger than these actors now, but, um, I always pictured Gerard Butler when I was writing Finn, uh, writing, um, Reese and Finn is the tulip farmer. I got distracted. Um, <laughs> when I was writing Reese, I always thought about Gerard Butler, used probably more of the, the damaged loner wounded from PS I love you. Okay. That movie. Yeah. Um, that's a great movie. That's a great movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, bring your tissues, but, um, yeah. So I always pictured him. And then Nicole, I think is a Kira Knightley oh, sort of yeah. in Kira Knightley sort of strikes me just looking at appearance. I don't know her personally. Um, but just looking at appearance, she looks frail and fragile, but she's not, mm. you know, and I think that's the thing about Nicole. She, is thin, she's small, you know, um, she looks like a wind would blow her over, but she's an avid kickboxer. She packs a punch. She yeah. does. She packs a big <laughs> kick. Reese finds out the hard way. Uh-huh. Um, and she's tough. And so I see that it, it's that that sort of look on, sometimes Kara Knightley has that look on her face like, don't mess with me. Right. And Absolutely. Nicole has that same look. Awesome. Love that. So how can my listeners follow you and learn more about you and your books? Well, the, for, the best place to start is is my website, um, ChristinaBraver.com, and that's um, Christina with a C. And um, I'm also on Instagram and I'm on Facebook. Uh, if you want to reach out to me, you can email me at author at ChristinaBraver.com. Wonderful. Well. Yeah. Thanks again for being here today. Thank you so much. This yeah. was wonderful. I had a great time, Sakura. Awesome. Wonderful. Being here for the curtains to close. Yes. I'm so honored. Great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I also, of course, want to thank my brilliant producer, the man at the helm, Eric Ryder, as well as you, the listener, KKNW and Cape Town Zone Radio. I'm forever grateful. Don't forget to keep tabs on me at sakurasetter.com. And the time has come for me to say goodbye. Goodbye for now. As Rumi says, goodbyes are only for those who love with their eyes, because for those who love with heart and soul, there is no such thing as separation. And hopefully by now, I have taught you to love with your heart and soul. Until we meet again, stay kind out there, stay true to you, and don't forget, make self-love contagious. Go ahead, I dare ya. Peach Buzz is great. If it's on a peach, let Sakura Skin and Mind remove unsightly hair with dermaplaning. Although its primary purpose is to remove layers of dead skin, it's just one of the added benefits leaving your skin baby smooth, safe, effective, fast, and affordable. What a concept! Sakura Skin and Mind wants you to look your very best, and dermaplaning is just one tool in their chest. Find out about dermaplaning at sakuraskinandmind.com. S-A-K-U-R-A, skinandmind.com. We bring out the healthy skin and healthy way of thinking you didn't know you had. Your skin is your body's largest organ. Care for it properly, starting with your face. Sakura Skin and Mind offers several clinical facial treatments to help stimulate collagen production, eliminate toxins, boost circulation, and deeply cleanse. See a new you in your mirror. Clinical facials range from $90 and up. Do your face a favor. Sakura Skin and Mind. Erasing wrinkles, one clinical facial at a time. Learn more at sakuraskinandmind.com. S-A-K-U-R-A skinandmind.com.